Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday to you. Let's start another good week in the Word. How about it? My name is Tim Harris. I am pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church, South Central Kentucky, uh, and this is Tim with Tim. I realize you got to be on Central Time probably to get this at 10 o'clock. You know, the world is bigger than I imagine most days, but it's Tim with Tim most days at 10 o'clock. Uh, I'm live with you going verse by verse through the Word of God. I know that most of you join me later. That's okay too. We got a men's fire team, which I love, uh, and all of you who are so faithful to be in the Word of God with me. Thank you so much. Uh, we're in Second Kings. It hadn't been easy, honestly. Uh, not all of the Word of God is, and there have been some tedious parts of First and Second Kings for sure, but we've turned a corner now, and I just want you to recognize that. Uh, I mean, it's sad the history and the way that Israel has fallen, but but uh, if there's a silver lining <laughs> to that cloud, it's simply that we don't have to go back and forth anymore. In in the Book of Kings, First and Second Kings, you know, there's this divided kingdom, and we do the north and we do the south. You know, just like nearly every chapter, north and south, and trying to keep all the kings straight. It really has been a chore, honestly, but now Judah is the only kingdom that there is, and so we get to focus on uh, these kings. Now, understand, it's the final days of Judah. This isn't going to end well, but um, chapter 18 today uh, in 1920, uh, these chapters really focus well on King Hezekiah, and uh, he's a good one. He's a good one. Uh, also, just so you know, uh, these chapters are are very closely paralleled in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapters 36, uh, 37, 38, 39, I believe four chapters in Isaiah tell the same story nearly with almost no variance. Uh, and it's, it's, really, it's really pretty cool. Uh, Isaiah is going to make an appearance. Isaiah is uh, contemporary with Hezekiah. Uh, we'll, t we'll see him tomorrow. He comes in in chapter 19. But uh, anyway... Hezekiah is the son of Ahaz. Ahaz was a disaster, you know, but Hezekiah is good. Um, we haven't read anything like this, but just notice, you know, typically there's this introductory formula that tells us, you know, just in general terms about the king. Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, uh, his mother was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. Uh, verse 3, he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David did, okay? Okay, we're waiting, you know, because it's usually, yeah, he was good, but he didn't do this, but no. Uh, verse 4, he removed the pagan shrines, smashed the sacred pillars. I mean, nobody's ever done that, you know, it's always, he was pretty good, but he let all the, you know, all the junk stay. Um, he, he even uh, cast down the bronze serpent, uh, Nahushtan, Nahushtan, uh, he uh, tears that down, which is interesting, you know, from the uh, Old Testament, uh, when the people of Israel were getting bitten by snakes and Moses makes this serpent, you know, that bronze serpent became an idol. I mean, these people make an idol out of anything. Uh, back in the book of Numbers, uh, you read that story. Uh, I mean, he cleaned the house and no one's ever done that. Verse five, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah. All right. So this is a one we've been waiting for. You've been waiting for one to be good. I mean, ah, uh, I mean, gosh, it's just one, you know, clown after another, one disastrous king. I mean, disobedience leads to disaster, and these kings have just followed one after another, you know, leading the people of God down this terrible road. But Hezekiah is good. Hezekiah is all good. The best king ever. You know, he's like David, only more so. I mean, David had this horrible, you know, episode with Bathsheba and Uriah, but 
Hezekiah is good. Notice what it says. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed all the commands of the Lord. Uh, and 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 because of that Hezekiah was successful in everything. So if if disobedience leads to disaster, understand obedience leads to success. I mean, yeah, that's what the covenant has said from the beginning. You know, let this book of the law not depart out of your mouth, and in it you will, you know, God will make your way successful. I mean, you know, that's just a promise, but. Uh, it's not until here, you know, we find the only fully faithful king in the history of Judah, and it's Hezekiah. And uh, so you get excited about that, because I do, but then don't you also just think, oh man, he's going to get it. Uh, he's going to get it, you know, uh, because that's how the spiritual life works. Uh, there's an enemy, you know, and in this case, it's not uh, Shalmaneser or Sennacherib, you know, the kings of Assyria. I mean, yeah, they are enemies, but it's like Paul says, we don't really wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, the, the true enemy is our spiritual enemy, the devil. Um, and uh, I, th I think in chapter 18, you can learn lessons about how the devil works in our lives. Um, because Hezekiah is a faithful man who tries to do what is right, in, in so many ways, the attack against him from the enemy is so much more sinister and, uh, and, and, and so much more directed and personal, you know? Um, and I just find it uh, really interesting and amazing. Uh, again, in terms of how the devil you know, attacks us and works, I think chapter 18 can be very instructive. Right there, verses 9 through 12, 9 through, uh, 9 through 12, there's a little bit of memory once more of the land of Israel and how they fell, which takes us to verse 13. Here's where the story begins. Um, king Sennacherib, uh, the king of Assyria now, invades Judah. Um, uh, Assyria is the only remaining superpower, and there's no earthly power, you know, that is going to be able to come, come against them, and they know it, and so they're just brutal. Notice that Hezekiah, at first, he actually seems to try to be a, a, a little bit uh, uh, rebellious. He decides not to pay tribute, but ultimately Assyria comes up against him in a hard way, and uh, notice what he says there in verse 14, uh, I have done wrong. I have done wrong. Uh, that's in contrast to what the scripture says, that he did what was pleasing to the Lord in everything. But the, the Hebrew word there literally says, I have sinned. He's talking to uh, you know King Sennacherib and, and basically crying out for mercy, I've done wrong. He's just trying to figure out how to not you know get crushed by Assyria. And so the king of Assyria demands uh, even more, a settlement of more than 11 tons of silver and a ton of gold. And in order to come up with that amount, uh, once more, King Hezekiah has to uh, raid the temple treasury and strip the gold even from the doors of the temple. I mean, he had to take the doorknobs, had to take all of it. Uh, just a disaster, uh, a, a total disaster. And so, um, nevertheless, verse 17, the king of Assyria sent his commander-in-chief, his civil commander, chief of staff, I mean, took a, a position beside the aqueduct. And again, they're going to they're gonna crush them. They're going to they're gonna squeeze them. Um, I think the lesson right there is just, it's never enough. You think that you're going to make a deal with the devil, <laughs> a deal with the enemy. Uh, it's never going to be enough. I mean, yeah, 11 tons of silver and one ton of gold. I mean, you know, you know, he strips all the wealth that he has, but it's still not enough. It's never going to be enough. The, the devil is uh, wicked. <laughs> and so understand he doesn't ever feel sorry for you. You know, I mean, sometimes I think that, you know, the devil will give me a break, you know, because I've had a hard week. 
<laughs> you know, because I'm, I'm a little low, you know, feeling, you know, a, a, you know, a little scratchy in my throat, you know, whatever. Um, th that's not how the devil works. You know, he's evil. And, and when he gets you, you know, uh, his foot on your neck, don't think for a moment he's going to have mercy on you. I mean, he's going to come in for the kill. And so, uh, it's just the way the devil works, you know. Like they say, uh, or like I've said over and over and over, when the devil wants to destroy you, he doesn't send a shark to devour you in one bite. He sends a thousand minnows, you know. And, and, and that's, his, uh, that's the way the devil works, you know. If he sent one shark, man, I'd know how to fight, but he just overwhelms me, you know. And uh, you watch this happening now with, uh, with, with Hezekiah. Uh, it's never going to be enough, and now he sends... Uh, his field commander, his chief of staff, uh, with a huge army to confront King Hezekiah. Hezekiah sends out his three officials, uh, uh, Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah. And so these three go out to meet the Assyrian king's chief of staff. Uh, again, just paying attention to how the devil works. Uh, notice what the message is from Assyria's, you know, to chief of staff. Uh, this is what the great king of Assyria says. What are you trusting in? You know, it's interesting how he takes his faith and, and turns it against him, turns it upside down and against him. What are you trusting? Are you trusting in words? Because words can't save you. Are you trusting in Egypt? Because Egypt can't save you. And then get this verse 22. Are you trusting in the Lord? Are, are, are you trusting in the Lord? You mean like the same Lord whose temple you just raided to pay us? Because I don't think he's going to like that. You know, I don't think, I think you've insulted him now. I mean, wow. You know, that's wicked. He uses his own actions against him. I mean, I mean, King Hezekiah is just trying at this point, you know, to, to stay alive. And again, the enemy man is just so, so very devious there. You know, you, well, you trusting in the same Lord whose temple you robbed to pay me? Because I don't think that's going to go over very well. I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. I'll give you 2,000 2, horses if you can find enough soldiers to come and fight. Oh, wait, you don't have that many men? I didn't think so. Um, as a matter of fact, the Lord himself is on our side. I mean, I mean, this is, this, this is the way the enemy comes, always the way the enemy comes. And so Eliakim, Shebna, and Joash say, hey, hey, hey could, could you just chill? You know, because could you speak in Hebrew? You know, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, don't speak in Hebrew. They were probably speaking in Hebrew and they want him to speak in, I think it's Aramaic, which would be the, uh, the language of commerce and government. They want to speak in Hebrew because they don't want the people to hear it. They don't want the people to be discouraged. And uh, man, I mean, you know what? Well, we want the people. I mean, and so there they go. Um, so from that point on, you know, they're, they're speaking to the people. Don't listen to Hezekiah. Don't let Hezekiah deceive you. Don't let him tell you that the Lord's going to rescue you because there's never been a God who could stand against us. And then don't you listen to Hezekiah, you know? Notice verse 32. It's, it's, it's just the way the devil takes the things of God and turns them inside out. He says, I will arrange to take you to another land like this one. Okay, for the Jews, there is no other land like this one. This is the promised land. This is the land that the Lord has given them. And notice how the devil works. You know, hey, I will give you another land. It's going to be a land of grain and new wine and bread and vineyards, you know, olive groves and honey. You know, it sounds a lot like a land flowing with milk and honey. Choose life instead of death. Was that not exactly the terms of the covenant I set before you? Life and death, choose life. I mean, it's just, I mean, whoa. It's like the, the, the anti-covenant here. You know, it's like the covenant with God turned inside out, upside down. The, the devil, you know, just calling him in. Uh, don't listen to Hezekiah. Don't listen to him. He's going to mislead you by saying the Lord will rescue us. What makes you think the Lord can rescue you? And so the people were silent because Hezekiah had told them to be silent. 
And then Eliakim, Shebna, Joah, they tear their clothes in despair and they went in to see the king and told him what uh, he had said. Uh, that's the end of the chapter, y'all. Uh, chapter 19 is great. Uh, it's just this picture of how faith must stand, you know, in the face of threat and danger uh, and, uh, and deception, you know, temptation. Uh, oh, oh my goodness. Uh, again, it is the final days of Judah and the story's kind of winding down. But here we, we see this amazing picture of, of a king who is all good, a king whose heart is with the Lord and who tries to lead the people well. And my goodness, uh, we've really not seen an attack like this. But wait till you see what the Lord does. Wait till you see what the Lord does. Uh, again, tomorrow, chapter 19, verses 1 to 37. It's a long chapter, but it's a whole lot of, I mean, we get to hear Isaiah preach tomorrow, you know? And we got to get to see what God will do. God's going to deliver his people. You know he will. You know he will. Uh, if disobedience leads to disaster, obedience leads to success. And uh, uh, again, we've been waiting for this for a long time in Second Kings. It's good to see a good king like Hezekiah. Uh, so anyway, pray for him, y'all. He's under the gun, and we'll see what happens tomorrow at 10 o'clock when we're back together for Tim with Tim. I love you guys. Tomorrow, chapter 19, 1 to 37. Have a great day today. I love all you guys. I'll see you in the morning, Lord willing, for Tim with Tim. Have a good Monday.